Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the Morning Advertiser's Ed Bennington, and with me as ever are my two preferential co-hosts, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. Now, this is the final episode of this season three of the Lock In, so in a change of programming, I'm actually going to be nice to you two. Never. I'm going to be nice. Heath Ball is a pub operator who's won a number of awards and runs three amazing sites across London and the South East. He's reasonably good at his job, but don't tell him I said that. Are you dying? Good God. Nikki Thatcher is the morning advertiser, a news editor, and my second in command at MA Towers, a superb leader of a team of journalists reporting on the pub sector. You like I'm Lois worried. Lane. I'm yeah. really worried. See, nice. I'm yeah, being nice. I'm worried something's There's really a shit wrong. joke coming. Yeah. You watch. Uh, this episode of the podcast, we're going to be taking a look back at the challenges of the last six months and how they're impacting on the trade moving forward. It is the season finale, so to help us pick that apart, who better than to get two great podcasts? people who really understand the issues of the trade at the moment, people working in it, commenting on it, and writing about it. People who can cut through the noise and waffle and present a succinct point with devastating effect. A pair who can provide nuance alongside thought-provoking content will resonate long after the podcast is finished. Jesus. Sadly, they weren't available. Oh, so we've got to Just get on with it. I mean, James Brown, the Brewdog, has just walked past, so yeah. we uh, we can't get him involved in it. He's turned the air conditioning off. We are in the Brewdog uh, podcast studio for this one, hence the, uh, Sorry turn the aircon off. The, the lack of the planet, lack noise and I'm getting, sustainability. Yeah, it's getting a bit hot now, though. You've got it's you're in a jumper. Winter. It's like twenty seven <laughs> degrees outside. You've turned up with a collared shirt and I, the jumper. I left home a bit earlier. It was a bit chilly. All right. Yeah. You've got well, a lot of padding to record as well. a video. You don't need a jumper, so. mate. You, you're naturally you're naturally insulated. <laughs> oh, fighting oh. talks. As a man with the, I've got I've got control over the record button here, and the editing. Oh, so scared. Uh, fortunately, though, we do have some genuinely good and useful guests to compensate. We'll be speaking to the BBPA's Emma McClarkin and the BII's Steve Alton about the challenges we're facing. We'll be hearing from financial whiz Eddie Murphy about his plans to revitalise the Beverly Hills Cup franchise. Oh, hang on. Sorry, no, that's the wrong... wrong <laughs> okay. How many times um, do you reckon that guy's heard that joke? Oh, I think that's well, he's going to hear it a few funny. times more when he comes on later, isn't he? Uh, we'll also be speaking to Jerry O'Hara of Nationwide Energy about the utility situation and we'll be talking to Cebus Andy Slee and Brakes Joby Mortimer about the supply issues we're facing and finally we'll be taking a look at mental health uh Oh, what are you looking at me I for? don't know why I'm looking at you. <laughs> I can, I know uh, I'm unstable. <laughs> with writer and fellow podcaster Emma Inch and the LTC's Paula Smith. He'll be inviting Heath to lie down on the couch. Okay. There we go. Uh, so yes, well, as I said, we are recording in uh, in Brewdog's Waterloo site, the public and award-winning uh, uh, site of the year, new what, site what of the year, so new site of the new year, new site of the year. Yeah, yeah. it's got a podcast studio and a slide. And a slide. That's yes. my favourite thing. Have you been on a slide yet, Nikki? Yes, you we, came we last time. I mean, you are generally on the slide. On the slide. He didn't go on it. So. Yes, he did. We've got videos. Oh, I thought he got stuck. Okay. <laughs> I'm still stuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we had to come back and record out. it here. <laughs> it's stuck in there. <laughs> trying to get grease them up and get them out. No, that's a different issue entirely. Um, Anyway, uh, moving on from that. Before we get into all that, let's have a chat about what's going on. Um, Heath, just to cheer you up, 200 pubs closed their doors in the first three months of the year. 620 have entered insolvency in the past 12 months. Surprised? Not really. No. No. Do you know what I mean? We've got a government that hates us. 
Well, I mean, the the, the, the current situation isn't with the interest rates and, and the government blindly <laughs> sort of supporting that is uh, quite terrifying. It's just, are they going to have a meeting with the banks? You couldn't make this shit up. You know what I mean? It's just, a, we've got to, like... Jeremy Hunt's comments today was it today or yesterday? Actually got that right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, <laughs> trust me. I think he's the other one. Um, it's just like it's just they're just so out of fucking touch. Mm. It's like honestly, it's like they're gonna they, they, we are gonna be in a recession, if not a depression, by the end of the year if they don't do something soon. I mean, what was that thing I sent through to you? There was a government advisor. Oh, read it out. Um, let, let, let me dig it out. It was, um, I mean, it was astonishing, wasn't it? It, it, it to me, it just kind of demonstrates the uh, the total lack of kind of. Um, they don't. Well, the problem is how in touch the, the they are. Problem is, like they use the rest of the world as an example, and you know, and it does when you when you raise interest rates, it, it lowers inflation. But it, we we have the other the, we have the B word to contend with. Mm. Mm. You know, and we're dealing with well, Brexit. We won't deal with that, will we? Now, this, no. So this is what happens. So only when companies feel nervous about the future, they will think, "Well, maybe I won't put through that price rise." Yeah. So we, we, we stomach the price. <laughs> Our suppliers put it up. <laughs> I, mean, I sent you the cost of strawberries today. Yeah. What, what's the one hundred and four percent increase in strawberries? You're nervous about the future, so I'm not going to put the prices up, and I'm going to go out of business anyway. Yeah, but I'm gonna, yeah. So I won't put the prices up. I'm still paying twenty percent VAT. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go into like making a loss so I don't raise inflation in this country. Fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now they're looking at blame you see they blame Beyonce in Sweden for the inflation. Beyonce. You know, yeah, Beyonce. What what has she got to do with that? No, because she had a concert and then hotel rooms and oh, I thought she'd entered politics oh. in Sweden. No, but they've got that and then they they're, they're talking about Taylor Swift concerts next year and they're going, Oh, this is great. They don't want us going out. They want us to be super poor super subservient and we just sit at home crying but the trouble is that by, by suppressing demand for product isn't going to help reduce inflation because the, the causes of inflation isn't people splurging the cash you know this is this is a well look at uh, energy is the big problem and what's and all those operators are just going is, is food prices food prices and why do you think that's come from mm. it's, we, we fucked ourselves we got rid of our, we left our biggest trading partner We've put sanctions on ourselves. I think we've got worse sanctions on ourselves than Iran's got on itself, you know, by, by other countries. We're, 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 it's madness. We're absolutely destroying the country. And these fucking middle-class, upper-class pricks like Jacob Rees-Mogg and all that, piss off. Sick of them. And they all get titles. Oh, yeah, Boris Johnson. The whole thing's just, it's, it's like a bad sitcom. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about a bit of that with uh, with Emma and Steve in a little while. But um, uh, another news: uh, drink sales were up 15% year on year. I mean, that's positive. I don't know. Like, you know what they say about statistics. <laughs> yeah. Well, the yeah. various things, but yes, oh, no, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Oh, yeah, but, okay. uh, I mean, it's it, is, is that because is that, that because we're all fucking so depressed we need a drink? <laughs> You've got to take the silver lining, the small wins. Yeah, but it's not. And then, but all that does is positive news like that to the government. They go, oh, they're all right over there. They'll be all right. You know, and how many people get, like, how many pubs did we say? Uh, 200 yeah. in the first three months. And then everybody will turn around and go, well, they weren't good operators. Well, and that's well, always yeah, but the that's excuse. Not, but that's not true, is it? Because no. we've seen good operators going, and they, that's through no fault of their own. Because, so. you know, it's criminal what these energy companies are doing. Mm. They know what they've done. It's like the banks, what they're doing with interest rates and mortgages and stuff. They all know what they're doing, and it's, it's about who can make the most money right now at whatever cost. And, you know, people are going to lose their houses, mm. and we're going to lose great pubs and great operators. You know, it's bullshit. Um, we saw uh, seven pubs named in the best restaurant list, the National Restaurant Awards. Yeah. It's, it's weird that, though, isn't it? 
Why? Are you just upset because no. you went in? <laughs> but but it's like it's Absolutely really hard. Is. But it's really hard though, isn't it? Because where's the line between pubs and restaurants? I've always said this. Where is the line? Yeah, it is tricky. And I ask this question actually quite a lot to, to operators, but like particularly high end gastro pubs and stuff. And it's it can differ. But I think if you can go into a pub and still just go and have a drink there, yeah. in my eyes, it's still a pub. Yeah. So that that's kind of how I would yeah. define it. I suppose it. If, you, if you've got bookings and it's like fancy menus. And tablecloths. I think anything with a tablecloth, immediately that's not no a pub. No one can afford tablecloths these days. <laughs> <laughs> eating the floor. Cutting laundry. Let's get rid of it. Um, there is, of course, one thing that we, we haven't properly discussed, uh, Heath. Um, so, well, you've got a big day coming up. Uh, I mean, this. to be fair, this has probably been the longest birthday celebration yeah. known to man. You've been on 15 holidays. I thought it was just girls that <laughs> dragged out their the people. birthdays. Turns um, out it's, it's you it's as well. Pretty, it's pretty, pretty, I've been dragging it out like fuck. We know. You've talked yeah. about it for weeks. Yeah. Been I mean, going on so about it. Nikki and I had a whip round he got around the cut. podcast too. <laughs> like, this is going to be some uh, like really inappropriate thing I can't we, read on We got about a quid. So uh, we, we, we've got you a car. Sexy boy. Oh no, birthday boy. I thought you actually might have written sexy boy on the front there. I did think about it, but... Do you want to read that out? Yeah, but it's like, I'm not, a, I'm not Australian, you <laughs> what, What's it sound yeah, from? Have a proper koala titty birthday or something. A koala titty birthday. A koala titty. Here's a card to remind you at home. I left the price tag on it. Yeah. $2.99. It's one pound fifty each. Fucking hell. What's wrong with koalas? Times are tight. I'm from New Zealand, Edward. Oh, I keep forgetting. Yeah. Um, anyway. Thanks. Uh, happy uh, 60th Eve. Thank you. Um, <laughs> what, else we, what else has been happening? Oh, yeah, this is this is a good one that's, um, that's been to pop up lately. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the pubs discussing the problem with adults buying alcohol-free beer. Mm. And in some cases, spirits for their kids. Yeah. Heath, what's your take on that? It's a weird one, isn't it? Why would you do that? Well, how old are the kids? Alcohol-free. Uh, they're little. Well, I mean, they haven't specified, but I mean, they're underage. And yeah. It's just weird, though. Like, what is that about? Well, it's, it's training them, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, it's, it's like, <laughs> the, these, are the, these, are the, these are the customers of the future. Would you do it with your kids? Nose. I mean, to be Any fair, to be fair, um, the eldest one was refused a ginger beer in the pub the other day. And that was quite funny. <laughs> what is it? When he was like, we can't vegan? serve it to yeah, oh, vegetarian. Just leave him at home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting. Um, but yeah, no, he was yeah ginger beer. She went, sorry, we can't serve ginger beer to kids. Why? And I just looked at her and went, well, I was like, why? And she like looked to the supervisor in the room. She was like, no. Why? I don't know. You didn't oh, question so it. Yeah, we well, I said, all right, it's for me then. We were, <laughs> we were just like, why? Oh, it's beer. It's not, it, no, you no, are aware what ginger beer is, are no. And the super, she, she was getting a manager, and the manager was going, yeah, no, we, this policy, we don't. So he's like, yeah, I know. It's, it's, but do you know what? Ginger Oh, fuck. No, I mean, we, we sort of. It was a Krabby's ginger beer, alcoholic uh, ginger beer. It wasn't, it wasn't an alcoholic ginger yeah. beer, no, but maybe that's uh, that was the confusion. But, uh, I did think of you the other day, Heath, though, because I was a, a British <laughs> chef well. in Australia. A British chef in Australia, I want to say. But he's banned um, vegans from. I saw him. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. The Australian Thought thing. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. He, but he's had enough. He's had, I can understand. He's had him enough. This is not what he does. This is what he does. He knows what he's doing, and they ring up. They want this, and they demand. It's like you can't get upset because I, I totally agree. Like, I think it's a bit narrow-minded of him, but like, if that's what he wants to do, and he's busy, good on him. Do you know what I mean? Like, Would you do that? 
fuck, imagine the moaning if I didn't let them in. Jesus. <laughs> You'd have all three of them oh. outside. But you know, I will say, I, I think I said this before, I think we've seen a decline in vegetarian and vegan sales. Yeah. They, they were nowhere as busy as they were before. Uh, it is interesting, isn't it? But I mean, I know I think we're seeing more choice and people are putting more more options on there. But I mean, I, but is I, that because the flexitarians are going, actually, you know what? I'm going to eat out yeah. and when I do it, I want, I want to, I want to nice. enjoy myself. Yeah, exactly. You and can, I, you can have shit me. soup at home. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what's happening. Don't look at me they're, like that. Now. They're choosing <laughs> to go out. They're choosing to go out and spend money and they want it to be something good. Yeah. It's something they don't have at home. A luxury. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's, it's almost like we're getting punished by this government for wanting to have active, healthy social lives where we go out and see our friends. I mean, no one mentioned the government <laughs> there, did they? I mean, it's just I, straight I, in there. Mate, I'm, done with, I'm done with this fucking lot. Like, <laughs> You know, Rishi Sunak's speeches and, and not voting on Boris and just, just like they just need to fuck off. Did, did you not get did Boris not get you that, that MBA? Oh, that, God, that, whole, that, that, that whole thing. That, that, mm. This is just, it, 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 you know what it is? It's just jobs for your mates, isn't it? You know, yep. and the whole thing over that young pair girl, and it's just the whole thing. It's just so. It's it's like a really we can't bad, talk about that apparently. Uh, it's a really bad sitcom. You know what I mean? It's just I'm disgusted in this government. Mm. Is that why you go on holiday so much? So you haven't got a beer? <laughs> just a thought. I will say I was in Paris last week. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know I was in France last week. Yeah, just outside Montpellier. Where, where are you on Friday? Oh, Saint Sebastian. <laughs> Fuck it. Incredible. Like, do you know what? Like, it, it's my birthday year. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate. I'm gonna, but, but I was in the supermarkets over there. We, like, I'm in full supermarkets, beautiful produce, not expensive. Mm. Come back to the UK. Everything's expensive. Everything's shit. They don't have the food on the shelves. They blame all these things. Like, oh, was a waitress blaming IT issues? Blah, 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 blah. Honestly, we, we this country is like, it's just, we, we're going to end up, gonna, I think they're basically burning it down. And they're just going to destroy it and then go, and Labour will probably get in. Great. Another depressing party, you know, as far as I'm concerned. They all suck. Um, they'll get in and they'll be slipped of their absolutely screwed country. And, and on that positive note, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll park that one there and we can come back to uh, Steve and Emma and decide, uh, you know, how, how bright things really are. No, they're not bright. No, Anybody's okay. saying it's fucking good out there. Russia, I saw, I saw, oh, I saw, I I saw Managed Houses, was it Managed, there was this, um, one of the reports came out and they said that the Managed Houses or Managed uh, Businesses all went up like 5%, blah, 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 because mm. they've got cash. Mm. They're investing, they can do stuff, you know. I, I said have to take my jumper off, you know, it's getting a bit warm in here. I'm not surprised because you're you dressed probably, like you, it's the Arctic outside. I think as he sort of slowly gets more enraged. It's a good job we're talking about mental health later. Mm. Right. Let's park it there. This is the Lock In Podcast, and we're discussing some of the challenges the sector has faced and continues to face in this, our final episode of Series 3. Uh, with us to help discuss some of those uh, issues are our fantastic duo of the British Beer and Pub Associations, Emma McClarkin, and the BII's Steve Lying Sod Alton. Steve! <laughs> <laughs> Your official name. Wrong. This, this is going to run and run out. I mean, it's never going to stop. I mean, just to clarify, Steve does only lie about hills. I totally honest about everything else well, did he cheat? so uh, I, well let's not get into the cheating allegations i mean that is another issue okay. entirely that some did take shortcuts um no they didn't honestly anyway sorry we, we digress and we're talking about cycling but that's not what we're here to talk about so thank you for joining us guys pleasure 
good stuff. Right. Uh, before we look ahead, let, let's take a little bit of a look back, um, Steve. I mean, what, from your perspective, what, what has been the biggest challenges in the last few months? Uh, maybe, Emma, can you, can you start us with that? Yeah, I mean, I look back immediately to January and my first meeting of the year was with the Chancellor asking him to continue supporting our businesses with these energy costs. And, and as we know, um, that fell on deaf ears um, when it came round to, to the end of March and that relief came off. But energy really is a dominating factor over the last six months. Obviously, we've got huge cost inflation coming through. But the number one reason for pub closures right now is not being able to meet their energy bills. And uh, so that is still a focus for us right now. And um, I, I think it will remain so for, unfortunately, um, more months to come. Indeed. And, and Steve, what are you saying? I completely echo that. I think we've we talked before, you know, the inflationary impact is huge. You know, it's a compound impact to to our trades. It's been burning at over 20% you know, since last summer. So this has been really, really embedded now. But a lot of trading well. You know, we are, we are seeing, we talked about some positivity last time we spoke. You know, mm-hmm. we are seeing pubs full again. The weather is kind of helping that. Uh, and, and that is offsetting that for the, for the operators that are getting, you know, above pre-pandemic levels. But as Emma said, the absolute spectre, you know, that, that's just killing particularly small independent pubs that don't have any other source of support at all. Uh, and it's a, it's a flick of a coin, which is just chronically unfair. And, and Emma, myself, Kate, and, and, and all the other trade groups have, have been really consistent with lobbying in, in on this issue, particularly with Ofgem. Because you know their, their terms of reference are really clear. This is about stamping out short short practice mm. uh, and that imbalance of power, which has been playing out. And to be fair, it hasn't stopped. You know, I was get, only getting reports yesterday of people being you know rolled into contracts, held to ransom. You need to take this contract now. It's you know, nearly fifty p a kilowatt. When you you know right now you, you know the range is probably twenty five to twenty eight p. Yeah. And so it hasn't stopped. You know. So we, so yes, we still need to get a, a result on those that are locked in for that twelve month period minimum from back end of last year but equally they, they've got to intervene the evidence base is really strong uh, they're sitting on the fence and, we, and we've just got to keep shouting to bring this so, to action I'm going to jump in before he starts ranting about the <laughs> government generally but um, why, why are we not getting traction on this with government I mean Emma you said yourself you know you've been you've been shouting and, and, and talking about this why, why do we why, why are they sitting on their hands yeah, I mean, I mean, we did manage to get intensive energy um, extended relief extended for our, our brewers. So there, there were some wins in all of this, and they are pushing best practice. But they're just not going down the road of regulatory reform, and that's what we're going to need to see in the non-domestic market going forwards. And we're going to need Ofgem given more powers, and mm. uh, they're resisting themselves having those powers right now. But they do need to have them in order to you know, force the suppliers and hold their feet to the fire. And even even without sort of renegotiation on the contracts between uh, July and on October last year, there is the issue of standing fees and, mm. and, and installation fees and re, re, reinstalling. And, and, and they're still through the roof. They're still completely disproportionate yeah. uh, and in many cases unfair. And that has to be um, leveled out for for the foreseeable future why the government doesn't listen and take more action i think that they're still very fearful about energy security i think the suppliers have given them the story you know you don't want us to fail you don't want us to go under uh, you don't want to unpick contract law um, I, and you can see it it's 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 evident in the in the tone of the conversations and the responses that we receive that there is still great fear as there will be unfortunately for many of the uh, the pubs that we're seeing looking into the winter i mean we're in a blazing hot summer now a long mm. may it last mm. that's the 
positive side of things. Trade is looking good. But, you know, what's, what is going to happen this winter? And I think there's a little bit of uncertainty all around about that. I mean, cheeky question then. Does that mean the uh, energy companies have done a better job lobbying than uh, than, than ourselves? Is that is that what it boils down to? They've got more money, man. They've got, they've got, they're holding all the cards. Yeah, they are. Maybe, uh, or, or in fact, it's just that their fear of energy security is more than uh, the loss of um, some businesses. And as yeah. important as they are to each and every one of those communities that Steve and I fought to, fight to keep these these venues open, um, I think that is politically on their mind and, uh, and more present. But it should be. But, you know, the, they have started an energy department. Hopefully they'll sort it out. But a big part of that is sorting out the non-domestic market and taking us out of the risk zone. You know, as hospitality... We're in the high-risk zone all the time. Mm. The rates are eye-watering um, all the time. You can phone mm. up and say you're one type of business, phone up and say hospitality, and that's completely different rates yeah. coded to you. That has to come to an end. And, and then we're not going to be able to regenerate our high streets, unlock all that investment or potential yeah. until we say we're hospitality, we're a significant industry, we need the support and we need to get access to fair rates to be sustainable and grow for the future. I mean, that's the frustration. I mean, we're high risk because they've put us in that place. I yeah. mean, it's, it, and I know there's, there's. I mean, we were talking earlier and, and the, the, the idea that, um, you know, our sector may have defaulted in areas and, the, and they do, they, there's a concern that business go under and they lose that. But, but, it's because of these things, and when you mentioned standing rates, I mean, I've seen some for like uh, nine pounds a day, and you think, how do you justify that? I mean, Steve, you must be seeing this all the time with your members. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there's a layer on top of what Emma said as well around treasury. I don't think I think just think treasury are incredibly narrow focused right now. You know, they're looking at the fiscal deficit as a whole, and obviously mounting interest rates and this this runaway train of inflation and interest rates, and and they're just you know not accepting when we're, our receipts are you know pretty strong at the moment because you've seen some good trading numbers mm. but just not accepting that it's not just about the fragility this is about forward investment this mm. is about you know if you give us that little bit of surety you know, we've got some brilliant operators that would like to do some stuff but things like you know business rates for next year we don't know where we're going to be you know mm. we've got a really you know good position at the minute it's that 75 percent relief for, for most people had got that re-rating you know went through and for the majority it did improve their position, but they need mm. surety. You know, these are these are multi-year businesses. They don't go hand to mouth. They need to mm. plan forward, and they would invest more. They would increase trading space. They would increase capacity, and and we're there. And, and mm. you know, we talked about the GDP impact. You know, we're at the heart of any number that goes positive straight away. It's at, it's our sector. That's yeah. at the heart of it. So I share your frustration that they're just mm. not getting that. Mm. Uh, but we look, we've got to keep pushing. And we talked before, we need to get the MPs fully engaged mm. out in those pubs, seeing the assets that they are. Not, you know, not the guys that are shutting, the guys that are busy, vibrant yeah. right now and doing cracking jobs. Yeah. And actually, we're just saying you, you just need to lean in. And this is, this is a dysfunctional market dynamic, right? Mm. Nobody in their right mind can say that this is, you know, this is normal market force or it's a competitive position. It's far from it. Mm. You had two choices. You know, literally, I'll, I'll, I'll chop you off or you take this deal in front of you. Mm. And elements of that still exist today. So, well, we'll keep pushing off-gem, but between off-gem and government, you know, we don't care who sorts it out. They need to sort this issue out. Equally, it doesn't affect everybody. Some people yeah. were in the fortunate position of, of multi-year contracts. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're in inflation, but they're mm. willing to, you know, that that is a market force. And yeah. the government have got to sort it out. And they'll, they'll trade that through. It's not the first rodeo, is it? They've been no. there before and done so, it. This one is, is chronically unfair. I mean... Uh, Moving away from the energy situation, we're in a position that they've they've announced inflationary is is static. It hasn't it hasn't shrunk as expected. So now we're looking at 
the, uh, the, the large, uh, massive hammer that the government only seem to use whenever this situation comes up, which is uh, interest rates. I mean, to me, looking at that, I'm not an economist. I, I don't necessarily understand it. But even as a as a as a, as a, 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 a prime idiot, I, yep. thanks, Heath. That was nicer, uh, less idiot, more layman. It just seems like a very blunt instrument that actually isn't addressing the problems. I mean, what's your take on the interest rate situation, Emma? Do you want to just give us a quick one on that? Well, it's very worrying, and particularly we're in discretionary spend. People tightening their belts will be feeling that. Mm. Um, and it's something that I think, you know, we spoke to the Bank of England. They announced in May, and I asked them when we'd hear from them again. They said August. So to be hearing from them again so soon is is deeply worrying. Mm. And for that stagnation in inflation, could it push us into recession? That's, that's the question. And, mm. you know, we've been doing so well we're winning back customers that we still haven't won back from the pandemic we're trading we're getting the sales up getting closer to like for like across the board okay profitability isn't there but we need the cost inflation to come down to you know unlock that profit um and to allow us to sort of really get this recovery underway and be looking towards the future and all of this puts a, a big dark cloud over that um, and, you know, we've been proven this year, you know, in April, um, 0.2 growth of yeah. GDP. That was down to and fired on by pubs um, yeah. and, uh, and bars and our, our hospitality economy. And that is something that we can say very clearly, help us, yeah. support us, invest in us, and we can unlock that growth that you're looking for. But in this environment, I have to say. Are they um, looking for it, though? Yeah. I don't think they are looking for it. I think we're... We're driving that growth, and they don't want that. They want people staying at home, not spending money. Well, this is part of the problem, and that's, that's, that's the whole point with the interest rates. But, I mean, it seems, it, it, the, for me, you look at it and go, well, what's driving up inflation is primarily the the, uh, the, the energy situation, things like that. It's yeah. not people going out spending. I mean, Steve, what, what, what's your take on it? Uh, I, I agree with what Emma said, but I think there's, there's two or three issues here. I mean, it's not, it's not going away quickly. You know, that, no. that's kind of reality. So you go back to, we need greater certainty going forward because, you know, pubs are good at investing. You know, getting access to capital right now is a, is a real challenge. Mm-hmm. We've thought about that before. But they want to invest and, and they can, you know, uptick their revenues. There's still great customer demand. And I think the thing that is going generally well is most consumers understand that, you know, pubs still provide an incredibly affordable you know, experience, and they do it really, really well. I think, you know, you have got that death of mediocrity now. I think you literally, mm-hmm. you can't do things badly. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's quality drinks or food or execution or service. You've got to nail it. The other one's sustainability. You know, we talked about with our big uh, summer conference, mm-hmm. uh, summer event yesterday, and, uh, you know, we profiled amazing uh, licensees doing brilliant stuff, and they're all over the sustainability uh, piece, but not just from a, a green agenda. But now you, you need to be knocking out big lumps of your cost and waste in your business mm. and being as lean as possible because that's the only way you're going to counteract yeah. some of the inflationary forces coming through the GPs that are eroding to actually keep that profit to the bottom, you know, bottom line. But they're doing a bloody good job of doing it, and mm. they're, you know they're really smart guys. They're engaging the customers in that journey. You're making it a point of difference. You know, making them feel good again about yeah. themselves coming into that pub so I think look there's lots of things that's going to wrestle we're going to be here for a while I fear yeah, this is going to something we'd have to deal with so but- I'm conscious that we're running low on time, but let's. We don't want to be relentlessly negative. That is his middle name, <laughs> um, and uh, we have talked about this as well. So give, give me a positive. Give me one positive each. We can we can send our our three listeners off uh, with something of uh, of, of uh, positivity. Um, Emma, give give me something positive. 
I've got a long list of positives. That's the reality of it. Looking yeah. ahead, what have we got? Power change in Scotland, the end of sturgeon. Um, <laughs> up there is, is good for us. We've seen alcohol advertising put um, on the back burner. Yeah. We've seen the delay on DRS alignment across the UK. Yeah. These are positive things for the industry. Um, this is good changes that we can see moving forwards. We've got sunshine here, sport. Women's World Cup on the way. Mm. I mean, my list goes on and on. Pride yeah. um, and the work that we're doing with Open to All on, on welcoming people, proving that we are the inclusive place for people to come together in their communities. There, there's tons to look forward to. Um, and let's just hope that we can get some change on business rates in the budget in October yeah. um, or at least some traction in the lead up to the general election on that. I think I think we're, there is hope on the horizon good and I mean uh, the, we've got the ashes at the moment Heath you'll have been happy your team did well From yesterday New Zealand um, Steve give me, give me something positive I think the positive was yesterday for us. We, you know, we had six amazing operators, the finalists of the Licensee of the Year Award, and they show what great operators are doing to combat this. They remain positive. They're really engaging their customers. They're doing great things. We need to share the best practice. We need to you know, try and help as many now innovate, You know, really think about their trading footprint, how they engage customers, how they get that spend per head up. You know, If they're coming less frequently, they still want to have an amazing experience, so how do you just get more of them through the door? Yeah. And they've got some great stories. So, look, one thing we always do is collaborate, share, as an industry like no other and I think the stories are there um, mm. but there's now not one bit of your business that you can't do incredibly well yeah. so it's not just serving customers your p and is going to make sense all the way to the bottom line mm. but it is doable yeah. I think it's never been harder I'm sure Heath would you know, yeah. agree it's never been harder to drive out you know, profit out of this business model but it's still absolutely viable and can grow as we've shown before so I think there are still reasonably positive I accept all the things that, that Emma said we need that certainty mm. you know we do not need layering up of more barriers to get in our way that's something we're constantly fighting to stop government give us just things we've got to hop over because they all seem inconsequential in their in their own you know set piece but when they all add up it's just getting in the way let, let us trade let us be you know give us the flexibility if that's planning licensing let's crack on do what we do really well and we'll be that safe harbour for consumers when they're you know having to deal with the greed you know, that's going on in other sectors. You're not seeing it here. You're just seeing a bloody good experience. And, uh, you know, I think they'll still come. Fantastic. Well, let, let's end on the positive note. I've unplugged his mic. So, uh, there we go. <laughs> Brilliant, guys. Thank you very much for that. You're listening to the Login Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Heath Ball, and Nikki Thatcher. Uh, we're taking a look at some of the current challenges facing the sector at the moment, and there's no getting away from the challenges of supply and the runaway inflationary pressures we're seeing. Did you just yawn, Heath? <laughs> yeah, no, you really no. did. did. You just, I just heard a you yawn. Did. I watched you do just, it. I mean, You're not very dynamic today, Ed. Oh, brilliant. Hurry up. Just fill me with confidence. <laughs> anyway, thank you. I am delighted to welcome two top guests joining us now, Andy Slee from CBA and Joby Mortimer from Breaks. So welcome. Thanks for joining us, guys. Good afternoon. Uh, I mean, I don't get yawns from them. No yawns from them, Heath. Okay. Good. Move along. Right. Uh, so we are looking at the supply situation in this segment. Uh, Andy, we've just seen another darling of the craft beer movement go under brew by numbers. Other brewers are, bigger brewers are struggling. I mean, how do you see the situation for, for your members at Seba at the moment? Well, I think there's a difference between turnover and profit. So on the plus side, 
what we're seeing is uh, is eight, eight out of ten drinkers say that that they want to support their local brewery, and they go out of their way to do so. And they're in typically they're prepared prepared to pay a little bit more for their for the beer. And we are seeing our beer volumes recovering. But but I would say rather than doing well, we're performing ahead of expectations. Uh, those expectations in January were probably at an all time low. So it's not it's probably less challenging than we thought it was going to be. Um, we, we're also seeing an awful lot of innovation. Without innovation, and that's uh, so 25% of, uh, of our members' beer is now sold direct to consumer. So it, it bypasses pubs and supermarkets, and we go through web shops and tap rooms and, mm. and, and pubs that are owned. And, and I think one of the things that has been removed in the last couple of weeks is the uncertainty, particularly in Scotland and the north of England, the uncertainty about the deposit return scheme yeah. and um, uh, suppliers facing ruinous increase in costs and admin um, on that. So that, that has to be a good thing. And anything that moves us towards uh, a unified scheme on DRS, we, we're supportive of the principle, but it needs to be cost effective and unified across the UK. So, mm. um, you know, that's, that's, that's the, 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 the plus sides the, the more the more challenging um side you know pub visits are still down and there is no getting away from as you said inflationary uh, cost inflation uh is is rampant so members quote to me somewhere between 15 and 20 percent uh, inflation on their input costs that's uh, grain barley and hops and things like that now as, as i always say inflation isn't the problem if you can pass every bit of it on to the next person down the chain mm. um but 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 concerningly a lot of brewers are fixed into sort of um um you know contracts with with the bigger guys which are which are more fixed and uh, the recent craft beer report members said that they'd only been able to put their beer prices up by two percent in the previous 12 months so if your input costs are going up by 15 to 20 percent and you're out your, your your revenues are going up by two. Mm. You don't need to be Alan Sugar to work out what where, where that's headed. To be honest with you, um, and so we we are we are encouraging. Um, you know, we, we are seeing beer tap inflation. I would argue that's not generally being driven by brewers. That's probably possibly more uh, at, at the retail end to cover the things the like energy, you, yeah, you know, what advise you, utility costs. So yeah, it yeah. might be easy for some publicans to blame brewers. <laughs> But I, but I don't I, I don't think we're at the root are you, cause. Are of you it. blaming the I brewers? don't blame the brewers. Yeah. I blame the government. Let's not get him started on the government. Um, Joby, I mean, bring you in then. Food costs rocketing. I mean, we're, we're, there's a lot of focus around food costs on the supermarket side, but um, I mean, it's the same in the in the food service side as well. I mean, it's it, it's well, yeah. I mean, it's higher for us. Yeah. I. What are you seeing? What what how how is how is that uh, uh, shaking out at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this and, and can I bring some positivity to it? And I've got a couple of things that no. I will check in later of areas for people to look at because it can sound so doom and gloom at the moment. But the reality is we're seeing sort of 19% food inflation at the moment. That's that's where we're, where we're seeing things. I think, as Andy said, the conversion isn't coming through for operators. So they're really struggling to pass that through. And actually, whilst inflation is slowing we're seeing more disinflation now because it's whilst the levels are dropping it's not going to go below zero we're not going to see prices come down we think food might slow down to maybe somewhere near six percent towards the back end of this year 
but it's really challenging still. And what we also see is whilst there'll be some categories that will be coming down, an awful lot is is still there's, there's going to be a lag before we see some of the prices land because of the production time and what have you people will have bought at one point mm. and they're selling through at the moment and then they're going to have to start levying those cost increases and, and then again the same challenge comes is can you levy the full increase through we certainly couldn't and we've had to take quite a few hits and, and that's challenging because Ultimately, as you guys have already said, for the consumer, there's only so much they're willing to spend. I think disposable income is, uh, I think it's dropped 5.7%, which is the lowest it's been since records started. So people have got less money to go out. So when they do go out, they're being more frugal with what they're spending their money on and picking more carefully. And with inflation as high as it is, and there's been a real, real shift in inflation since the war in Ukraine, whilst we were seeing varying fluctuations post-COVID that the war in Ukraine re- really kind of created a massive impact on it. I mean, we, 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 we've got Ukraine, we've got energy, we haven't mentioned the B word. Um, is Brexit a factor? What, what are you finding with that, JB? Some of, the, some of the stuff that you're having to bring in, I mean, is that impacting? Yeah, it, there's funny little things. So just this week, we were trying to locate um, a minced lamb and we can't bring in mints from the EU. You can only mince in the UK. But there's lots of lamb in Ireland where mm. we want to go and source the lamb from, and we can't do it. We have to bring it over here and then find someone that can mince it. So there's challenges just around changing the rules and regulations. And then, of course, there's all the paperwork and those challenges of, of getting products through the line. But but actually also, kind of less so Brexit, but more more Europe. We had one of the worst winters on record in Europe, snow in Ibiza, snow in Morocco. I know Morocco's not Europe, obviously, but mm. that impacted crops, so that's made further challenges. And then because you then don't get those crops, the availability of product becomes a problem because everyone's fishing in that same pool to try and get their hands on the goods they want. And that drives prices up because of supply and demand. And if you look at... Uh, if, you, if you look at the hurricanes in Florida not that long ago, they wiped out almost all of the oranges in Florida. So now there's a shortage of orange juice. You get the orange juice from Brazil. There's mm. going to be a demand challenge trying to get that orange juice out of Brazil. So that will see prices rise again. So, you know, we've got Brexit, weather, you know, just mother nature effects. We've yeah, got the but, war in Ukraine. We've but aren't we, aren't we around with... Aren't we our own, own worst enemy, though? We've, we've implied sanctions on ourselves through Brexit. No one really yeah. wants to trade with us anymore because it's a load of headache trading with us. So we, we just, we've done this to ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's madness. I mean, I know you're probably mostly upset because the bad weather's probably affected the wine crop, is it? <laughs> yeah, but it's just, it, it's just like we've, we've, got, we've got all these things. I was in Europe recently, and quite a bit a recently. A few times. Yeah, and like you go the to the old, supermarkets, the I, it's, it's not as expensive as here. Mm. It's madness. And we just get told, oh, it's the war, it's this and that. And we go, okay, yeah, all right. This is France to be turning cars over. We just sit there and take it like a bunch of idiots. Or Australia. I do wonder, uh, and I'm speaking as, a, as an individual now, not on behalf of SEPA, but, but I, I do wonder um, at what point people will start to go enough Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're very, very tolerant in the UK. I think, I think, I think there's one one angle 
that I hadn't appreciated uh, in reverse. So brewing is typically, we, we are, we're not self we, we do import an awful lot of raw materials mm. from abroad. But I hadn't appreciated that um, UK suppliers can actually get a premium for some of their products abroad. Mm. So therefore, you know, they can and um, bring uh, in uh, uh, other people on this. But, but actually, so they're faced with, so they're faced with actually, um, T- them taking a price cut for supplying their home market and there's the temptation for them to 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 increase so let's say i'm making it up let's say the, the inflation is 20 percent here they could get more abroad so there's an opportunity for them to increase their prices further in the uk um uh, and, and that, that further forces uh, in, in inflation up so mm-hmm. it, it's a real challenge you must see that in um, in other food categories as well the UK is basically that giant snake that just eats itself, isn't it? Right now? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what's happening to us. Andy would articulate it better than me, but I did a number of years in beer before I came across to food. And you look at what the duty rates are across Europe, and you look at the duty rates across the, you know, in the UK, and, yeah, it, we, we are constantly hammered. And it, it's, you know, we, I don't, this isn't a political podcast, but we are constantly hammered by... The decisions that we that we make or allow or accept when whenever we go through uh, general elections and what have you. I'll give you the I'll give you the stats. So UK brewing is uh, the most taxed sector in the UK economy. So we we pay about forty percent of our turnover mm. in tax in direct taxation, and something we haven't touched on today. And that's no no, it's not the topic of the 40%. podcast. Forty percent. I. I, I I, I look with envy at my colleagues in online gambling that pay eight percent of their turnover in in duty. So it's a very so vibrant, part important the, part you know, of the economy. Part, now. That's seriously part, part of our notion is is that if eighty percent of thing if eighty percent of people believe that uh, a local brewery is a force for good, then governments help good things that are good and tax things that are bad uh you know yeah, and, I, and i don't see many people standing up on behalf of online gamblers <laughs> so uh, it's so all, all we all we talk for to your point is all we want is fairness we don't want any special favors we just want a level playing field and they won't give it to us so i mean yeah. let, let's um before heath goes off and um and commits <laughs> harry curry or whatever um, let's have some positive. i mean is there any positives uh andy Give me a positive. Yeah, there, there, there is, 100%. There is, I'm talking from a local independent brewer perspective, um, people want to support local suppliers and are prepared and are prepared to go out and do so. So um, for all of the whaling, all of those sort of machinations, we're only about net five brewers less in the UK than we were in Jan- at the start of January. Mm. So there's some come and some gone, but we're net. There are still people entering the sector there are still consumers wanting to go out and buy independent beer and preparing preparing to pay a premium for it and there are operators who are uh, at the forefront of innovation in beer looking to do new things uh to keep the category interesting that that's what that's what gets me up in the morning is the buzz and the energy around that and um if if you if you just sat and talked about the downsides all the time i mean none of us would get out better than would we but no. that, we, we have to see an opportunity and i think one of the challenges for the sector is that we we talk relentlessly about 
you know, a, a, a circle of doom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we understand why we need to for, for the government, but the government the patently isn't listening. Mm. So, so it hasn't it hasn't worked that circle. No. So we, we have to be a more, in my view, we have to be more balanced with our approach. You know, and say, well, actually, on the one hand, here are the positives, but do you know what? It's still challenging in these areas, as opposed to a sort of a monotonous feed of. Um, I don't of, think they'd of, care, uh, Andy. Of, well, I don't think they'd actually care. They'd be like, all right, good on you. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's not derail from the positives here, Heath. Uh, oh, Joby, <laughs> give, give, <laughs> give us something positive before, positive before Heath uh, destroys everything again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Heath needs a glass of wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it is it your round? Yes, unfortunately, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so I guess when you look at what's happening in the marketplace at the moment, one of the things that's really good is all the the focus on sustainability is actually really helping people start to look at their menus, construct them differently, really focus on food waste, and start using more parts of, of each product they have available to mm. kind of span that across their menu. So that's helping people manage. Then also, when you start looking at specific categories, so there's there's not a raft here, so don't get too excited if you're listening and get your pen out because you'll remember. But dairy is starting to come down. We're seeing dairy prices drop, Thank so God. anything in that category is, is a good thing. And then we're also seeing fish and seafood start to drop in terms of the, the pricing on that. So if, if you're a pescatarian, then that's okay. It's not such good news for, for vegans out there because it's good for them, clearly. But there's two categories where we're seeing a drop. And what we don't know the impact will be yet being is the cost of shipping is coming. Now, that impact, so if you're looking across your entire business and challenging costs, we were talking to someone about this the other day, and they immediately need to check that with our linen provider because they get uh, shipping from China, I think, for their linen from memory. And that suddenly made them go, actually, we might be to some cost business and the shipping cost coming down will absolutely help with various bits of food moving around the world so that's a plus dairy uh, fish and seafood are all good and then the other thing i would say is the way the food market is at the moment it is very volatile we've had a bad crop on potatoes that's challenging but most businesses will have a pricing and revenue manager who sits there and spends hours looking at all the markets and pulling that data together to help you plan what you're doing. And I think one of the things we do, we've got a genius in our business, a guy called James Payne, and every menu cycle, I get him to talk to customers and take them through what he's seeing in them. And you can start shaping your, your menus and making your decisions with a commercial lens on it. Now, no one forecasted the war in Ukraine. That had a huge impact. Mm. If China's boats around the attack, that's going to have a massive impact. And, and we can't forecast that, mm. but mm. we can start to understand what's happening in a lot of markets and foresee where we think there's going to be challenge. Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, let's, let's try and end on the positive then with uh, Heath. Stay where you are. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, really appreciate your input there. This is the Lock In Podcast, and we're taking a look back and ahead in this, our final episode of the season. We're going to be looking at finances and utilities now, and I'm delighted to welcome two experts, Jerry O'Hara from Brokers Nationwide Energy, and financial genius Eddie Murphy from Precision License Services. So, chaps, thanks for joining us. 
Welcome. Very Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Good stuff. Eddie, if I can just start with you. I mean, we all love trading places, but what on earth were you oh, thinking with Beverly Hills Cop 3? <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> um, I, I'll give you something now you consider, consider to be good value. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I asked for that. I mean, you were making worse jokes before he came on, Eve. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, he's quite, he's quite reliable for that. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. So, um, I mean, finances, let, let, let's talk about that. Um, I mean, Eddie, what are you seeing at the moment? What kind of things are you seeing with your clients at the moment? What, what are the challenges and the troubles? So, the, the, the primary difficulty is, and, and what, what people have come to realise, is their utilities come off their bottom line, mm. as opposed to what comes in the front door. And, and, it, and it really, the escalation in charges has been so enormous on, onto fairly tight margins. Yeah. Uh, it, it has said, a, 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 and, and we've, we've lost uh, certainly one, if not two clients, to this. Yeah. It, is, it is very, very prevalent. And the, and the difficulty is, as anyone who's ever been in the business will tell you, we are not an industry where you can turn out two-thirds of your lights. No, yeah. One of the ways calling. you know your pub is open yeah. is is the lights are on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it has been it has been just a, an almost a, a sort of perfect meeting um, of scenarios to create this dreadful situation. Mm. And, and, and Jerry, let, let, let's bring you in. Um, not that you're here to, to to be a whipping boy or anything for this. I apologise. <laughs> like I mean, what what what, is, what are you seeing? What 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 are, what's where are we, and, and and where do you see things going on the on the utilities front at the moment? Okay, so clearly prices have come down, or the commodity costs have come down dramatically from where they were, you know, probably last August was was the peak over, and yeah. they've began to recede. What we're seeing is an increasing disconnect between the prices that our customers been uh, are being offered and the commodity costs, which are falling much more quickly than customers are potentially benefiting from in terms of new customers entering a fixed-term contract. Clearly, you still have some people who are maybe on deemed rates and they are paying exorbitant costs. Uh, but it's just, as Eddie said, I think the problem is people were getting a lot more support under the Energy Bill Relief Scheme up to, you know, sort of 55p and 17p of every kilowatt of electricity and gas, respectively, with the new Energy Bill Discount Scheme or the situation where you're getting less than, I think it's 1.9p uh, for electricity, 1.967 or something, mm. and just under 0.7 is a maximum support on your gas. So looking at the information the government had produced in terms of examples on the website, I just did some calculations when the energy bill discount scheme was announced. And even for a pub using a relatively modest 48,000 kilowatts of both electricity and gas, you're talking about a difference in support of about £2,700 a month, mm. which is obviously huge. And now what we're seeing is as that change has taken place, people are getting billed, the suppliers in, in their conversation with their account managers are telling us debt's shooting up, mm. customers are cancelling their direct debits, uh, and they're, they're wanting to address that. And 
since January at the latest, we've been saying to them, you need to come up with some sort of blend and extend offer. You need to be, particularly for the customers who signed up last year, hopefully on a one-year deal. Certainly we did uh, almost 100% of our business last year was a one-year deal because you're hoping yeah. that the costs last year were completely abnormal and would not continue. Uh, and so it's proven to be. But people coming who signed up last year are maybe paying... 60, 70 pains, some lower, some higher uh, in a contract. Now that the energy bill release scheme is going, they're getting very little in the way of support. And it's, as Eddie kind of alluded to, it's causing a lot of businesses to close or people to really struggle. Uh, and the suppliers are, have been incredibly slow to come forward with the energy bill support, you know, this sort of blend and extend, however you want to see. Mm. But basically what it means is offer the customer a longer contract, give them the benefit of the lower commodity cost now so that they can average it out. Mm. So perhaps a situation where you go from paying 60 pence for a year to paying 35 pence for three years. What we've found is the few offers we've seen they haven't been that competitive. I think the supplier's thinking, well, you're kind of getting off the hook here, albeit I'm getting off the hook as well because if I give you this new contract, the chances are you'll stay in business. If I don't give you this new contract, then potentially you won't. Yeah. Well, you don't pay on time either. Mm. If, you, if you're knocking your direct debit and then you're trying to move money around, you're not paying on time, so they're not getting the money back anyway mm. in time. It's, it, no, it, it doesn't make sense to me what, how they're thinking. It's just greed. But then, I know, I've, I've got to... I've got to... Sorry, guys, to, to cut in, but I've got to agree with that, Heath. Where it's very the blend and extend, it sounds like a very nice term. If there was some way of the well, preferably the pub codes, but even the, the utility companies that could offer the, the hospitality industry um, a method of saying, Look, guys, we're not going to be not paid because this is what happens with the pub codes. The pub codes never, never lose out, they always mm. get paid. So, if we could find some financial structure. Which, which guaranteed a payment to the utility companies, whilst, as you quite rightly say, blend and extend. So if it's going to be very expensive for a year, maybe you have a three-year contract and, and somehow break it down a little bit. At the moment, and, and we are we are some, somewhat masters of our own destruction in this because there's been a lot of the utility companies have been knocked by publicans who've, who've gone out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the way the, the, sometimes the credit is extended is ridiculous. You get utility companies that get knocked for fifteen, twenty thousand pounds. Well, how the bloody hell did they ever get to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What kills me is it's a real combination of issues. You know what kills me though is what I don't get. What I can't get my head around is these people at these energy companies and all that. Do they not want a vibrant hospitality sector when they have time off to go out to? Because the way it's, (laughs) it doesn't make sense. Like, it, 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 like. Surely we want a healthy economy where people thrive and do business. But well, they're making lots of money. They can yeah, but, but how long? It's such France a short-term. It's such a small-minded thing. In reality, the hospitality trade is not welcomed by energy suppliers. Some of them won't take hospitality. They won't. Yeah. Some will add additional premiums and mm. impose special conditions. Mm. And in terms of the customers going out of business, <clears> what we're increasingly seeing is that some suppliers are looking for two or three years trading before they'll take the company on. So if you're taking on a new pub uh, 
and you set up a new limited company, then there'll be some suppliers just won't straight out of the blocks, regardless of credit, aren't interested. Uh, I had it with one, my, one of my pubs, trading for a couple of years, uh, the lockout, trading for a few years, same energy supplier, went to, it got screwed over on the last contract at 96 pence a unit, took that for six months, that finished at the end of uh, May, and then we said, right, can we renegotiate a new contract? They said, no, we're not taking on hospitality businesses. Paid them up to date, never missed a payment, on direct debit, they went, yeah. not interested. What's happening with that, though, uh, uh, Jerry? I mean, is that just going to continue? How how do we get around this? Well, I I don't see the suppliers necessarily changing. So, you know, some of the things that are happening is you think, well, the market's falling, prices are going to be better, the credit slash debt risk is is lessened. But actually what we're seeing is now processes, and and Heath kind of maybe referred to this obliquely, that suppliers who didn't used to credit check renewals are now credit check and renewals. So it might be a situation where you could have been on supply with, with that supplier for 10 years, never missed a payment, but then they go, oh, you don't fit our new criteria, so you need to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems we find is, particularly for new businesses, is the suppliers that have the site when they take over can be absolutely fundamental to any likely success because some of these particularly smaller suppliers with a very aggressive T's and C's will have you on very high deemed rates and will delay doing the court, making an offer of a rate. So that in a recent example I dealt with, a customer had spent their 12 months estimated gas costs in three just because the supplier had them on such high rates and just dragged the whole process, wanted this, wanted that, just delay, delay, delay. Every day we're on the phone to suppliers. Sometimes you're waiting 90 minutes before you speak to somebody, sometimes longer, sometimes less. The the level of service the suppliers offer, despite the fact they're making massive profits, is just absolutely shocking. And to be honest, I think one of the fundamental issues underpinning all of this is if you go back to 2019, 2020, when so many suppliers went bust, I mean, I think Ofgem and the government are frankly frightened that if we push too hard, more of them will go under, despite the fact that it seems highly unlikely in today's market. Mm. But they've, got, they've had a pass for a long time, and now, only now, is there beginning to be some more pressure directed towards them being responsive to suppliers, sorry, to customers of all uh, types, whether it's domestic, whether it's uh, commercial, and particularly, I think, hospitality, so they your service. And as I said, because of some of the issues about some of the suppliers not wanting uh, to provide hospitality with, with energy, then some of these smaller suppliers have come along on the face of it with, with quite good prices, willing to take on the business. But once you're on, if you in any way deviate from the path, it can become very problematic. You find your meter's been switched to page you go, uh, they change the rates you're on, all these kind of things, and of course, if you want to leave, well, that's another story. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for, for, for me, there, there are only two solutions, and I'm not even sure they are solutions, but the nearest we can get to them. And one is the, the um, pubcos do what, what extend what they've done, and they did do it very well. Is, is they took on contracts with the bigger companies, but of course, they were guaranteed. The companies that went through the pubcos were guaranteed payment. So that was a huge thing for them. Um, and the second one is to get our, our, you know, Kate Nichols and the like, banging on, on, on number 10 
and saying, look, guys, some, there has to be a solution here. Because no one's, I don't think anybody's doing fantastically well. I don't think the utility companies are mm. doing fantastically well out of our, our sector. Um, our sector certainly are doing very well out of them. <laughs> um, so there, has to, there should be a solution here somewhere. Mm. Well, they're making so much money and the government's making so much VAT off our high energy bills. They're getting 20% on energy bills. Yeah. Yeah, so, only if you're trading, though. It's only if well, you're trading. Mate, and that's my <laughs> argument. It, only if we're open. But I don't think they care. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. less operators, less hassle. I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm still stunned by the fact that you referred to a point uh, obliquely earlier, which uh, I don't think you've ever done before. So, uh, <laughs> if you are, you're, 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 you're growing and maturing um, as you rapidly approach your 50th. Um, <laughs> guys, uh, I'm conscious that we're, we're pretty much out of time. We're, I mean, we've barely scratched the surface of this, so yeah. we'll probably have to uh, pick it apart uh, down the line. But really appreciate your time on this. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Lock-In Podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, Nikki Thatcher and Heath Ball. We've been discussing a number of challenges and problems facing the sector and with all of those issues comes a huge amount of stress. Heath himself is sat here with a vein throbbing on the side of his head and I'm getting slightly Dehy- worried about dehydrated him. Dehydrated. Dehydrated. Someone do this. Yes. You might want to get I'm that always stressed, man. Um, well, I mean, we, we just did, we did recording earlier, and the, the ranting and raving. I mean, it was uh, the room started to get a bit warm. It was this uh, government. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll come on to that. Uh, but more seriously, mental health is an area we probably don't focus on enough in the need to keep trading and operating. People just get on with it. Um, so we want to change some of that. I'm delighted to have to joining us to discuss this another pair of superb guests, Paula Smith of the Licensed Trade Charity, and Emma Inch, writer and podcaster herself who's about to launch her own podcast focusing on mental health in the trade so guys thanks for joining us thank you thank for having, having us yeah. so, so um, Emma let's start with you um, why are you launching the podcast tell us a bit about that I mean how big an issue is it so I think um, so I've worked uh, prior to being a beer writer I worked in frontline mental health for many years um, so it's always been it's always been a, uh, something I've been interested in and uh, an issue that that, that I'm sort of aware to, I think I've noticed, particularly post-pandemic or during pandemic, mm. people are talking about these issues in beer and pubs much more, mm. um, which I think in many ways is a good thing that people are able to talk about it. Um, in other ways, I think it shows kind of the level of um, of a, a mental distress that that's out there sometimes and the stress that people are under, which I think... Um, you know the the out, outside factors aren't getting any easier for a lot of people. Mm. You know, with the economic pressures and um, and just sort of that general worry about what will happen next and the sort of insecurity that that we've uh, we know we've almost got used to, but it's never a nice place to to live in, really. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I think I've just noticed a lot more people talking about it, a lot more emphasis on it, and uh, and felt that that given my former background and and who i am now and the you know that that perhaps i could fill some sort of gap there really mm. um and you know get that discussion going in a in a, a useful way mm. i mean Heath, we tease you but i mean you are you take a lot of pressure on you've got things going on things going wrong all this kind of stuff i mean do you ever actually sit down and think i'm 
feeling quite stressed here. <laughs> Every day. I mean, I'm saying this whilst laughing almost. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's what, really, do it's, do, what do you do about it, though? I used to, drink? like, prior, prior to my injury, I used to go to the gym, and that was sort of like the release and go and mm. work out. But then I hurt myself. Um, but it's hard because you, you're not only, like, especially I'm responsible for so many people's lives, like chefs, you know, all my team, they've been with me a long time across all three pubs. So you're responsible for it. And then you're getting all these pressures. And then you've got home pressures. You go home, you've got the wife and kids. And it's just, there is no downtime. Mm. There, it's just relentless. And then, you you know, like I wake up early and I'll be stressed. And then every day, it just seems every day there's another challenge. And it's just mm. like, and you see, I see, you know, contemporaries on Twitter. I, I stay off that. But, you know, having some days having really high days and other days having really low days. And you mm. just see the whole industry is in turmoil. It's just, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I think mm. we got so badly shaken from lockdown and dealing with that and trying to put on a brave face and keep things going. I think we were just all battle-worn and we, we haven't really dealt with that you know the, the emotional stress of that and then we're coming out of all that and there's just so much more headwinds coming our way and it, it feels like there's no reprieve mm. you know? I, like honestly think there's no you know what's the point because it's, it's just never ending there's yeah. no and you can you know we i think the problem with the outrade is we're quite optimistic and we're like yeah we'll get better and we're going to be great well, you've got to put on a, a, i mean this is the hard thing isn't it we're in hospitality you've got to put mm. on a happy smiley face for your customers whilst you're internally yeah. raging yeah. falling apart oh, I no. do that I do it with the customers that I, I mean, don't you know but the the customers, but, yeah but so. the customers I know I do, <laughs> how's it going shit <laughs> but, I mean you're but, probably an exception in that Heath um, the faulty towers of, uh, yeah. of Highgate but it's tough I, I think you know I think it's going to be easier was the cost of living crisis hits and operators are going to be losing their businesses and mm. you know it's just not it's hard I mean, Paula, what what are you saying? I mean, you're at the sharp end of, of, of some of this. You will get people coming to you. Probably not enough, I imagine. But but what are you seeing? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the calls to our helpline are up 50% at the beginning of this year compared to last year. Mm, and Jesus. and the primary reason for people calling us is, is money, mental health, and more recently, housing. But actually, all of those things come together to impact a person's mental well-being. If you're, if you're worried about money and you can't pay the bills or how you're going to pay your rent or your mortgage next month, that impacts your mental health. Mm. Um, we've spoken to a number of operators who've talked about labour shortages adding pressure. Mm. So they're needing to promote people sooner than they might have done in the past. And those people are not necessarily ready for the position at that point. So mm. put, that puts the new manager under pressure, but it puts the team under pressure as well, being managed by someone who's inexperienced. So, yeah, a, a lot of demand for people just needing to talk to someone. Um, we, we run a, a management support line as well, actually, so that new managers can call and get those tips that just help them with the everyday stuff that maybe they don't want to share that they're struggling with. But, but then also, but you've also got all those factors. Then you've also got the customers who are pissed off at their yeah. life, can't yeah. afford their mortgages, uh, really upset. They want to go out and have a good time. And they go to your place. They don't and they have see the, you. But they don't have the experience they think. So then you've also got them leaving shitty mm. reviews, giving you a hard time. So you're getting it. There's no reprieve. You're getting it from vicious, every angle. It's a vicious circle, yeah, isn't it? Like, you know, you're trying yeah. to do your best, but you can't win. And also, I think, and a lot of operators have been telling us that the customer behaviour has declined it's since got worse, COVID. Yeah. They don't care. You they, know, they, they're, they're more demanding. Yeah, they don't care. They, 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 I think the thing is, I've, everyone's come out of COVID and they've just been so pissed off at what happened. And they, this is my life. I want to be happy. I must be happy. I need this now. Get it me now. And they don't care how it affects anybody else around them. Mm. We get treated like shit half the time. Mm. I mean, is, is that something you're, you're, you're hearing when people are calling, Paula? 
yeah, customer customer behavior comes up an awful lot actually. Um, yeah. Soon after COVID, people had got used to you know the the time when we were allowed to go, but it was all table service. Yeah. People people got used to that table service, so they're almost sitting at the table just clicking their fingers, oh, expecting God. the staff to just run around and and bring them everything. And there's no staff to do that. <laughs> and, they're, and they're short staffed, yeah. so there's pressure coming from every direction. I think there's some some sort of uniquely uh, difficult pressures, isn't there, in in hospitality? With you know any any sort of public facing job can be inherently stressful and then there's the others the other bits uh in the kind of you know in pubs um things like sleep how to how to regulate our sleep the things that we would you know people are advised to do in order to look after their mental health can be very difficult when you work long hours or irregular mm. hours um also being around alcohol and sometimes that pressure to to drink more than perhaps you intended to do the you know sort of the difficulty of being able to to drink mindfully and and um uh, you know sort of you know if you go out of an you go out and think well i'm not going to have a pint tonight and then you end up kind of having one those sort those sorts of of unique pressures as well mm. that are around in the industry make it make it exceptionally hard i think i mean i like the fact that when you mentioned drink there both heath and i synchronized <laughs> took a swig of our, our pints out um <laughs> i mean emma i mean what 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 advice or what what sort of things could you can you give to operators that, to to maybe sort of help them through some of this would you say I mean, I think it's. I think it's really hard, and you know, I'm not going to set myself up as somebody uh, giving advice to individual people. Um, you know, there are other people far more able to do that th- than me. Um, I think what I would say is to reach out for help. You know, there's lots. Of, you know, that's the best thing you can do is to reach out for help if you think you're struggling. Um, sort of that idea that that you're not alone. It, it doesn't. I, I never find that helps in the heat of the moment, really. But but it's true. It is. It is true that, yeah. that you're not alone. There are people you know there are other people in your position and there are people able to help um and i suppose you know the main thing is you know i have have seen you know we've all seen and heard stories of people who have got so very desperate mm. that they that they've ended their lives yeah. and i think um you know my message would be just to take these things seriously reach out for help if it's a mental health emergency get help in the same way as you would for any other health emergency you know ring ring 999 you know go to A&E, those sorts of things if you feel that you can't keep yourself safe uh, and you feel that things are are becoming exceptionally difficult, that you can't maintain your own safety. Um, And it's those sorts of things, I think. And But just sort of talking about things getting help from people like like Paula's um, organisation, um, reaching out to where that help is and talking to your friends, letting them know how you're doing, which I think can be very hard. Um, mm. and, and, you know, certain groups in society find that harder than others. Uh, you know, anecdotally, men often find that yeah. harder than others. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's something that hopefully we'll be discussing on on my podcast you know that these sort of extra challenges that that, that are for, you know are in some people's way that that prevent them reaching out to get that help i mean we we do talk about this more than than certainly than we we've ever done but and i, I guess i mean it's uh, i mean if you you vent all the time does it make you feel better though yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I mean, if I if I didn't if I didn't like rant and rave and, I just, and I. if I'm quiet, then I'd be worried. But you know, like it's 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 tough out there for everybody. Mm. Like mm. it's not getting any easier, but mm. it's yeah, it's. Uh, um, to- um, Paula, I mean, what what are you doing? What what's the LTC doing? How are you how are you helping? 
Um, well, we have our helpline, which is uh, available 24-7. Um, and we, we're trying to encourage people to give that number a call. You can talk to them. Um, there, there are qualified counsellors on there that answer the phone. So you can talk to them before you get to a point of crisis. Mm. And, and I think that's the key. Talk to someone before you're at crisis mm -hmm. because they, they can, A, have a conversation with you there and then we can set up counselling sessions if that's what, what, what's needed. But we can also help with practical advice. Mm. So if it's money that's got you to this point, we can talk about benefits or grants or, or the whatever could be put in place to help just bring that stress level down a little bit. Um, when we talked to operators, I had a conversation with one recently who said what what he does is he prior are you still there? We're still yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. My, my screen's gone black, so I'm just going to keep talking. He said um, that what they do is they prioritize the, the staff experience alongside the customer experience. So making sure that everybody's got the uh, access to water and regular breaks, um, good clear training and good communication. Just keep talking and know how to access the support from people like us when you need it. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Brilliant. And there, there are a lot of, you know, building on that, there are a lot of really positive stories in the industry as well, aren't yeah. there? And I, yeah. I think that's another thing that I want to emphasise in, in, in the podcast around, you know, uh, operators who do look after their staff and have, have found some ways in, to do that, either by giving uh, mental health first aid training or by... Um, you know, uh, working with each other to set up those those protections for people, but also the, the 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 positive role that pubs play for people's mental health generally. And we know that we've seen research that shows that pubs can play a part in combating loneliness and in um, you know, and some pubs really do go that extra mile in taking care of the people who come and drink in yes. their in their venues. And and so it's about having i think about having those sort of balanced and nuanced conversations about about where you know the part that pubs can play in mental health absolutely and that, that's a very valid point you know we are we we do provide those services you do have people look after them but i guess there's also a a sense that we maybe don't look after ourselves enough mm. which um mm -hmm. which is yeah. probably something we need to address uh emma absolutely. paul thank you very much for that we will we'll put some links up at, uh, paula for the charity make sure people know the uh the lines that they can contact and emma will uh will will link to your podcast as well so people can can have a listen to that as well and good luck with it excellent thank you You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we are at the end of this series. Our third series. Who'd have thought we made it this far? I'm not surprised we haven't had the plug pulled, but we are. Mm. We've, got, we've increased listeners. We're about eight. We're still here? No, we're still here. Um, You're still I mean, here? We have to be careful. It doesn't go into our heads. Um, he said. Um, yeah. you, look, you look happy. Yeah. I'm very surprised he's still here with his back and his old age. Well, you think, you think I would have died? Yeah. Fucking darkness. Yeah. I'm away at the weekend. Shots? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're away in every weekend. I mean, I've had enough. Your staff must be like... They are, love it that I'm gone. They, they love do, it yeah. Yeah. Gone. When I was throwing the computer around the office today, going, who the fuck did this? Brilliant. Yeah, I'm off to the Apple store off this. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's been uh, it's been fun this season. Any any standout moments? I've got a couple. 
Go on then. Right, one, when we were talking about the Sunday roast, mm. and we had a couple of, I can't remember who it was, Paul Dickinson, and I can't remember who the other person was, and you, Ed, just completely lost it. Like, you, we st- ended up talking about a dog roast. It's, oh, um, I think it was Maria from the stack. Spit roast. No, no, no. no. Yeah. I think it was Maria, and I think mm. she was talking about doing dog roast, and you absolutely just lost your head, couldn't speak because you were laughing so hard at the whole like thought of it and it was just complete chaos but I quite enjoyed that fair enough fair enough yeah. uh, you said you had a couple what was uh... yeah the other one was the quiz which we did here back <laughs> which in we at, did at, do at the Brewdog, Brewdog yes yeah. 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 yeah I really enjoyed the quiz yeah. because I got really angry and it was it was a great time and, and you were terrible and Heath won I won yeah. so he? you came last well, I mean, it was debatable. I think there was a miscount. I think you, if you actually go back and listen to it, I was given a, a half a point, which probably put me, last. if not even with you, but possibly ahead. No, it didn't, because you came last. That's how it was. Heath, favourite moments? Oh, none. <laughs> none. <laughs> um, the fact it's finishing. Can't think of any. Uh, no. Boris Johnson going, that oh, was good. God. Oh, no, we're not uh, talking no, politics. No, no one's talking um, Okay, um... Favourite? I can't. I mean, you can't made us talk about Guinness. I mean, is that the Guinness one was good? Yeah, yeah, yeah the Guinness yeah, one was yeah. good. Uh, yeah, that, that did really well with yeah. nine listeners. Um, <laughs> putting a blindfold on you. The blindfold, yeah. Blindfold was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kinky Nikki, yes. always trying to like you know make it you know. Yes, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Kinky Nikki. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's been a whirlwind. Ed, your favourite um, moment? Um, well, well, apart from putting a blindfold on you, oh, um, I, I, I particularly enjoyed the last one we did actually with the uh, the uh, the wasps and the uh, did you and the German moth. Uh, oh, that, was that the really best, tickled you. The best moth-based joke I think I've ever heard. I've oh. never heard any other. Your brother lives in Germany though, so, so you so, probably told so. him that joke, didn't you? I haven't yet actually, but good point. I will get on the phone. It's probably home making a Star Wars straight after this and uh, yeah. do that. But uh, but I, I think we've we've had fun. It's been a good. Uh, Good season, like I said, we've increased list of numbers. We're approaching double figures. Great. Um, I think that's because I, I'm here. I'm going to take responsibility for that. Incredible. Hold on. Are we going to lose listeners with the amount of pubs that are shutting? <laughs> Just uh, thinking about. I it. mean, I love the fact you can bring a positive to a negative. I mean, the other way. I around. think you know we're all try- uh, they're all trying to be positive at the end, but it, I, I feel like I should be walking around one of those signs saying the end is nigh. Do you um, know what I mean? You do that anyway. Yeah, but. I mean, you've got this various restraining orders around Highgate for... Uh, Thinking think of going into politics, Ed. Oh, I mean, yeah. Thinking about okay. it. I think, I think yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I love the idea of the expenses, the second home, fucking claiming everything back. To giving, be fair. Giving, I would, giving on the I would, I would make you guys, you know... Oh, hang on. Sir I'll Edward. Fuck, so yeah, Edward. that's it. It's got a ring to it, hasn't that's it? That's it. No. Like, do you know what I mean? Like a misappropriation of it's government money. I fucking nail this shit. But like, it would mean, because you do, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but you do rant about the government quite a lot, which is fine. They'd but probably do a review, wouldn't they? They'd look back and go, is this man oh, appropriate yeah. for, uh, but for high office? When, when we ask you, what are you going to do about it? You kind of basically aren't going to do anything. So if you went into politics, okay, right that now, would probably right, be a good okay, thing. Right now, I'd lower VAT 10% in the hospital. Hospitality sector. Um, I would hold off Jim accountable for the energy. Mm. I'd really force him on that. I wouldn't take any bullshit backhanded money from all this other shit. I'd be like, right, we're, we're looking after the people of this country. We're going to make sure we've got a healthy, productive country Probably where everyone's happy. Yeah. And we don't have happy people in this country and they all but go. But you're not happy. I'm not happy with the government. But you're never happy. Yeah. But well, I'll be. Unhappy making you guys happy. <laughs> that's that's my policy. I'm miserable, but as long as you're happy. 
I mean, I, I could vote for that. It's, yeah, uh, like, this is manifesto. I'll for, take it for the team. You guys will go and live a happy, productive life. Right. Yep. And that's it. Uh, dish out those special contracts, all that kind of thing. There'll be none so, of that. There'll be none of that back-end bullshit. I'm fucking tired of all that shit. Where's the honour? Do you know what I mean? Well, they're mostly going to Boris Johnson's relatives. Fuck, you know. Like, was, was, was he getting close to a million to write for the, for the Daily Mail? Uh, uh, let's not even go there. Uh, let's not even go there. Um, I mean, we we haven't mentioned the fact that we're recording a podcast right next door to uh, Peter Crouch's podcast. I know. Is he the footballer? We're, we're sharing. He is the footballer. He's really tall. He's very tall. He, doesn't, he needs to get some meat on that I mean, man. Maybe he needs to drink some pints. Well, you you, go, you go next one. door and offer him. Go offer him a beer. No. Uh, oh, hi, hi. Don't know who you are. Hi, really. my name's Heath. Do you play football? I mean, you're used to dealing with celebrities. This is your thing. You're, you're, you're. Yeah, but I don't go and bother them. You go Hello. on holiday with them. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm next door recording a podcast on pubs. How are you, sir? What are you talking about? Football? Give it a shot and we'll record it. I'll be fucking, what's his name? Who's the guy? Alan Partridge. Ask him if he's been down the slide. Oh. He gets stuck in it. He, he's so tall. He would get stuck. How tall do you reckon he is? Very. Problem is, I think he's too skinny, so he looks more tall. Yeah. If he's a bit more like... I mean, he's going to love listening to this, isn't he? Okay, where because he's going to listen. Body shame him. I mean, coming from you. Hey, I'm not tall. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Average height from a person from New Zealand. I'm not sure your average height. I are am you? in New Zealand. Yeah, average height. I googled it. What about Australia? <laughs> yeah, Australia's different. Mm. You know what I mean? They're all inbred over there. They got like. <laughs> right. Uh, are there any other highlights from you? Uh, I, I think. I mean, I'm, I might have to just draw it to a close based on his uh, uh, vaguely racist sort of uh, things. What? That he's in, no, it? we're neighbours. It's fine. Uh, neighbours. Neighbours is off there now, but uh, <laughs> right. Um, I think. Okay. Let's uh, let let's um, let's park that. This is it for this season. Um, we will be back in the autumn with, uh, I'm sure, some other uh, exciting and uh, dramatic podcasts with Heath presenting his usual upbeat, positive. It could be in politics by then. It could yeah, be. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could be. This could be the whole could change. The podcast could change entirely, couldn't yeah, it? We it could, could be, be doing the, this from uh, strangers' bar. Imagine that. Yeah. Like imagine. Like I'd be the pub sector be thriving. We should do one in Strangers Bar. I think yeah, that should be an ambition for next year. Do one, do one in Strangers Bar in the House of Commons. Bar. They can just wheel in MPs for you to abuse. Oh, that would be great. (laughs) And the beer's well cheap now. Yeah, apparently, like apparently, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on in there. Yeah, I've read some of the paper reports. Excellent. Good. Okay, good. Uh, we will be back in the autumn with a full series of the Lock In podcasts if our bosses let us or we haven't been sued uh, in the meantime. Um, but for now, I hope you continue to trade well, uh, face down the challenges, and continue to do what you do best. Till winter what- comes, then we're all fucked. <laughs> I almost made I almost so close so close we're all we're, all, we're, we're dining out on the hot weather and that and then the winter comes January Monday in Look, January when are you fucking off on holiday uh, Friday, Friday yeah <laughs> anyway that's all I was going to say continue to do what you do best and it has to be despite the troubles one of the best sectors to work in isn't it Heath <laughs> I'm going to do that to them <laughs> stay in school <laughs> see you in the autumn